0: On hand, there's the saying, nobody's perfect. And on the other hand, you have Christ's call to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. What are we to make of these biblical truths? Should a Christian be perfect? Can a Christian be perfect?
1: This is Considerate, where we're considering questions regarding life, theology, and the church. Consider It is a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in New Rampos, Texas.
0: Have questions regarding life, theology, or the church? If so, text the word redemption and your question to 474747 and we'll consider your
1: questions. To learn more about our church and everything we're doing here, visit redemption.bible. I'm Aaron Orozco and I'm Blair Cushman. Let's consider it. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today on Consider It. Let's start with the question that was submitted. It's a short one today. It just says, what does Matthew 548 mean? And if you don't know it off the top of your head, it's okay. We have a Bible right here. It says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And if you have your fancy Bibles with your red letters, um, you will know that this is is coming straight from the words, from the mouth of, of Jesus. That's right. And so he's saying... You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's right. So, it really... We have it. Yeah. Right interesting.
0: Um, I was going to say, we should have tested people to see if they had it memorized. Right. Yeah. Just say, what does this verse mean? And be like, all right, first one to text us, who has this verse memorized? Which, this isn't really probably one that you, like, learn in a wanna or kids' ministry or in your Bible plan. Maybe. Maybe people have it memorized. Right. I don't know. But
1: Yeah. This is... Um, an interesting question yeah. and, and really the the overarching theme that we're going to be talking about today is really like sanctification yeah right and and before we can we can jump in to to kind of breaking down well, what does this mean right this is jesus saying you mm-hmm. need to be perfect uh we need to see the context right context is is king and so Indeed. it's it's helpful to understand Where is this verse? What's happening here? Um, So Blair, why don't you just give us like a little breakdown of what... Where, like jump us in yeah. to this you know right this passage yeah
0: I like the question because it shows that people are trying to understand the Word of God and yet with anything if you're trying to uh, understand a verse you have to understand what's around it and so good Bible students want to do that and so the greater context here in Matthew 5 6 and 7 is Jesus Sermon on the Mount most people know that but uh, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, uh, a body of Jesus teaching that is pretty revelation Revolutionary, actually, right at the beginning of his ministry, um, he gives this, you know, quote unquote sermon or these teachings as he's on the side of a mountain there in Galilee, and he is just like covering all his bases, yeah. Mm. Um, and repeatedly, you'll say, or Jesus saying, You've heard it said something, and then you say, But I say to you, and he's really up in the ante. Right. And so if you remember the historical context here, Jesus is living in a time where Judaism is, uh, is the prevailing religion there in Israel, and they have the law, the law of Moses and... Um, Pharisees and others over time had really kind of corrupted it and taken what God had said in his law and added to it and uh, made uh, a bunch of cultural things uh, to, uh, the, in addition to the law. So they had like God's law is one thing. And then they had like upped the ante and say, well, that actually means you have to do all this. Mm. And so they had, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of more rules and regulations about what it meant to be uh, righteous or how to honor God, how to earn your uh, salvation or they would say like to earn favor with God, to be right with God. And so Jesus comes on the scene and then he's just like dismantling the whole system. Right? You've heard it said this, but I'm telling you, here's now actually how you live. Right. And in many ways, he's up in the ante even more, not with regulations, but he's going straight to the heart.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Um, I was going to say that's a common misconception that like, uh, that Jesus comes and now the law is kind of not important doesn't mean anything but really like like you're saying he's upping the ante in that it's it's almost now harder to 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 fulfill this this law because it's now it's not don't murder right which i think most of us go up go throughout our lives without murdering right but jesus says you know if you're angry with someone in your heart You know, you've you've committed murder, right?
0: You're guilty of the same sin, and so he goes after the heart. And so he takes instead of this checklist of like, okay, I've done this, this, and this. He's like, actually, let's take away all of the checklist and let's go to the heart. Right. What's driving you? Where's Mm. your affections? What what is it? What you know? What are you really thinking and feeling on the inside? And that's where he's he's going there. And that's a lot harder, right? You know, because now the murderous thoughts, the hatred that we feel towards somebody, Jesus saying, well, that's actually the same. You're guilty of the same sin that would lead somebody to actually go and take somebody's life. Like if you hate them that much, they would go and murder them. And he's saying, well, if you just like, it begins in the heart, right? And uh, and so that's really what he's doing here in the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, sure. where, where this verse lies in. And so, uh, just kind of zooming in then a little bit here, the immediate context then where we find this teaching on Jesus, or this where Jesus is saying to be perfect, is actually in how we relate to our enemies. And so, if you back up here, I'll just read it for you. If you have your Bible, you can go there. But Matthew five, beginning in verse forty-three, he says. This You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Common thing of that day and even part of the greatest commandment, right? To Mm -hmm. love your neighbor as yourself um, and then to hate your enemy. And then in verse 44, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Entirely flipping that, you know, right. the cultural thing on its head. So that then, verse 45, So that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Hmm. And so that's on the heels here of what he's saying. It's like, well, I'm telling you. No, not to hate your enemies, but actually to love them. Yeah, to pray for them. And this makes you like God, right. And so he refers to God's what's commonly known as his common grace, of how God sends it to rain on the earth, and both the uh, the righteous and the unrighteous benefit from that. Um, mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, the sun rising that causes crops to grow and and, lo- and allows us to enjoy the earth. God does that for all men and women, re- regardless of their relationship with Him. This is God's common grace to people, something that we, uh, 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 you know, Im- believe and embrace, obviously. And so He's calling us then to a, an even higher standard. Yeah, He's saying tax collectors, Gentiles, were kind of like those. Those are just like the worst of the worst of society. Mm-hmm. Everybody hated tax collectors, and that they because they cheated you out of your money and they were traitors and all that. Saying even even our enemies, even the worst people of society love people that you know, you, you love people that love you in return. Right. But now he's showing us a measure of godliness, of Christ likeness that is so countercultural as so he's saying, No, you're gonna love even people that don't love you in return. Right. The people that hurt you, persecute you, are your enemies that want your destruction. The call is to be perfect and God demonstrates this and uh and this is the call to perfection
1: right and and i mean even even besides this this you know specific instance in this verse calling us to be perfect like like our father is perfect every time we're instructed you know to be like christ to be holy to be righteous it's perfection yeah right because that's who god is that's right. that's what righteousness is right when yeah. you think of like the the white shirt and the stain it's either white with no blemishes or it has a stain now it's yeah. not no, you it's know it's imperfect it's yeah. imperfect right and so this idea of 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 the the old testament i mean the bible just telling us as christians to be perfect to yeah. be like god to be christ like uh is not it's not just here. We we get that a lot, right? right? Which brings up the question, well then can we not sin, right? Can yeah. can can we get to a point in our Christian walk where we stop sinning and right. and then maybe if we can't, then is this some like cruel game that we're in? Right, you know, right. where it's like you gotta be this and you never can. Right, right.
0: Is uh yeah, yeah. Is is Jesus, you know, got just like is he setting this unattainable standard? Right. Um, the ultimate answer is yes. Mm. Yeah. I think we, we can't reach perfection on this side of earth. Um, that's something that we long for in glory. Mm. And there are, there are, you know, segments of Christianity that do believe in uh, what is known as perfectionism or entire sanctification, or there are those that would claim that they have stopped sinning, that they are entirely sinless. And, uh, I don't think the scripture allows for that. You know, if you think of like in First John and he's you know he who says he's without sin, you know is a, is a liar. You know? and even the claim to that is sinful, is, is yeah. sinful um, because we know that we've been corrupted. Uh, we know that sin remains, that it will forever be a battle. Now as, as believers, we're growing in that. and so right. as we mature in our faith, you know as we've talked on other podcasts, our propensities to sin should be decreasing incrementally as we go throughout life um, but never to the point where we've just settled or where we can you know uh, say to ourselves man I've I am entirely without sin right um, that I, I just don't know that's the hope of glory where we will be freed from sin's presence. Hmm. At the moment we were saved in our justification, we were saved from the penalty of sin. Christ bore that on the cross. And we've also been saved and freed from the power of sin, where it is no longer our master, where we can now choose to live righteously through the power of the Holy Spirit because of the grace shown us in Jesus Christ. Um, But we will never be freed from the presence of sin until we reach glory.
1: Right.
0: and so that's the that's what we're hoping for. And so what really then? Well, what is Jesus getting at here? Right, because
1: you know we think of you know the idea of just like the perseverance of the saints. Right, it's like yeah. we're persevering to the end, knowing yeah. the the race and the prize is won. Yeah, but we're still running. Yeah, right. And and that 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 metaphor comes with you know as you're running, you're going to deal with with it all until yeah. we we get to reap the reward that Christ has won. Right. Yeah. Uh, so there it is confusing right this question is brought up like what then what is what is he saying right, because he because he's saying be perfect and we know that that is the goal and and actually we'll get there we're yeah. going to be there one day in glory yeah. there's no more sin yeah and yet we're constantly told you know to persevere and to to run the race with endurance and and knowing that we constantly need to be fighting our sin yeah so it seems like these are contradictory but i think the way uh, the answer lies in, in un- kind of what we started with, you know, we're, we're talking about Sermon on the Mount, right? Yeah. And how Sermon on the Mount is really contrasting, maybe not even contrasting, but the, the background there is is the law. Yeah. So I think we need to go, we need to, to understand this idea of what it means, this call to be perfect as, as our Father is perfect, is what is the law and why... Yeah. Why is the law, yeah, right? right? What was the purpose of the law?
0: Right. Why did God give that to Moses and the Israelites right. way back when? Right. Well, we know that it's like it was given to them civilly, to, you know, to govern them as a new nation. Um, but spiritually speaking, it was given like, here's where the rules, like follow these things in order to please God. Mm. And so the 600 plus laws or commands that were given there were that kind of body of life to live a perfect life, a holy life, a righteous life. And why would we do that? Well, because we want to be in relationship with God. Right. Because God himself is perfect, and as such, he can't commune with, he can't be in relationship with anyone who is imperfect. Mm. Standard of holiness doesn't uh, doesn't allow it. Right. You know, he can't have anything impure in his sight. The you know, the pure blazing glory of his uh, presence would burn it all away. Right. Can't be in his presence. And so here was the law, and nobody could do it. <laughs> they had all these sacrifices and and and, and repeatedly breaking them. Mm. It was just too much. And right. Even the same way in Sermon on the Mount, this is like a really something that we strive for, something that we do because we want to be in relationship with God, because He said it as a, here's a standard of living a godly, um, Christ-honoring life. Uh, and yet in the same time we realize we can't do it and that which is the purpose of the law right to show us the standard of holiness but also to point out our inability to do it Mm. which then casts us at the feet of god humbly asking for his mercy in order to in, in order to be in his presence
1: right this 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 what we're getting at here, and even and this idea of of being perfect and the call to be perfect, like like we're saying, is is really a beautiful like allusion to the gospel. It's pointing to the gospel, and it's yeah. and it's a beautiful thing. And I think in in every Christian's uh, walk, and even even some people, this is their conversion maybe of because they've grown up in the church their whole life and heard these things, and really that flip that understanding when when the holy spirit like helps you understand that this this standard of perfection like that the law sets right to be holy and this you know as we're hearing jesus to be holy is so overwhelming right because we're so unable to do that yeah that the beauty of the gospel is that it's like you need to do that and you can't do that and actually it's been done already for you right Right, and that that right there is is weird and confusing and beautiful. That's the gospel. It is. Right, it's, you need to be perfect to be with God, and God knows that, and yet, he knows you can't be perfect, and so that's why he sent his son. He sent someone who would be perfect, who could be perfect. Right. Right, and... And that's the beautiful right. thing about the right. gospel. And I think for, for all Christians and for people uh, in like maybe religion, when you understand that it changes how you see the the world, it changes how you even see scripture, right? Because yeah. now that when I hear that, you know, be perfect as your father is perfect, you know, rather than being, you know, beat up over my sin, rather yeah. than being uh, defeated knowing that I could never be perfect, yeah, I'm... I'm assured that my salvation is not in, in me, right. right? It's not in my ability to be perfect, yeah. but it's that Christ is perfect. Yeah. And and my faith in Christ, yeah. right? That's where, you know, we were talking about sanctification, but that's when my faith in Christ, that's where I'm justified. That's where Christ's perfection is now that like right. covers me. Right. It's credited to us. Yeah, yeah.
0: And this is where, even in the Old Testament, where Abraham, he was counted righteous when he believed God and believed in his promises. Right. And it's the same. We're saved by faith in Christ because of his perfect obedience. Right. His perfect obedience to the Father in carrying out all these things, all the standard that he was laying out there in the Sermon on the Mount he did that perfectly right he he followed it to a t in every relationship every thought every conversation every interaction with with a person uh he was the only one who did it and it was perfect like his heavenly father was perfect right and so what a glorious thing that just as you said that here's the standard God knows we can't meet the standard, and so he made the way for the standard to be met and accredited on our account. Mm. And by repenting of our sin, acknowledging, God, I can't be perfect. As a matter of fact, I am sinfully imperfect, rebelliously imperfect. My only hope is in Jesus Christ, the one who lived the perfect, sinless life. And as such, with that type of faith, then God counts Christ's perfection, Christ's righteousness on our behalf so that we can be in his presence. right? And so he covers us, you know, metaphorically speaking, with the righteousness of Christ. We are robed in Christ's righteousness or his perfection. And so when God looks at us, he doesn't see us in our sinfulness. Right. He doesn't see the stains because we've been, to use the other biblical, we've been washed with, you know, with the yeah. blood of Christ. We've been covered by Christ. And, uh, and that's when God the Father looks at us, he sees Christ. We've been introduced to him by Christ, and that's the only way we could have a relationship with him. Right. Only way we could be in his presence. Uh, is because of what Christ has done on our behalf. Um and that's that's awesome. Right. <laughs> that's that's beautiful, right. like you said. That's glorious.
1: Yeah, it's it's the heart of, of what being a Christian is, right? Is yeah. it's this standard, this unattainable standard yeah. of of being of being like God and yet he makes a way. So, uh, you know, you can think of being saved as like we are saved by works actually, but it's not our, not our works. works. Yeah. It's it's not what we did because yeah. we could never do it. Right. It's Christ's perfect works. Amen. His perfect life, and all we have to do is like you said is is acknowledge it, repent of our sin, and put our faith in him. Yeah. And and that righteousness is is imputed onto us, right? Yeah. Like like you were saying in, in the in the in the courtroom of our sin yeah. rather than God judging us uh, and, and giving us his wrath for our sin yeah. he sees you know the intercessor, the one that who stands in between yeah. which is Jesus and he sees that righteousness and he counts that on us and 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 we get life and forever we get life
0: right. And so when we come back to the question here, the verse, this isn't a verse really that should discourage us, mm. cause us to be downcast, to you know, just cause us to like give up. Well, what's the whole point right. of all this? It actually is a source of great encouragement, yeah. especially as we find ourselves in sin, as we find ourselves convicted, as we find ourselves you know, struggling through something. Right. Um, this, is a, this gives us great courage to press on. Yeah, you know, or as we are talking uh, with some guys recently, have fallen forward, and uh, you know that we we're we're continually coming to Christ, and and we know that we're covered by Christ. No, this doesn't just give us a, a license to sin and right. be like, well, you know, Christ already did it for me, so what does it matter? No, 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 no. When we realize what Christ did, the cost, the great cost of His life, that motivates us then to keep pressing on and to keep honoring him and to, you know, doing the best that we can to live a God honoring life and not the other way around. And so right. the call to perfection isn't a discouragement. It's actually a great motivation, I would say, to uh, to keep pressing on to living a life that Christ did, knowing the great sacrifice that he, uh, that he paid for us uh, to be counted perfect in him.
1: Right. And so, I mean, you know succ- succinctly to answer the question well, what does it mean it means that the gospel is our only hope right right that's, it's that's, it's, well that's what it means yeah it's that we can't do anything we can't yeah. reach uh eternal life except through the gospel that's right right yeah
0: yeah that's a great succinct way to put it what does it mean it means the gospel is our only hope that uh, jesus is pointing out the discrepancies in our life as uh, you know as he's laying out the standard and then you know the in, which creates a big problem, but the very one who is setting the standard and showing the uh, problem is also standing there yeah. before them and before us as the only solution. And so he's he's just pointing out, he's just getting straight to the point of saying, mm. hey, here's the expectation, y'all. Right. And saying, like, yeah, I can't do that. And he's saying, but I'm your solution.
1: Right, and, and it's so interesting. I think this is one of those, you know, m- mysteries of the gospel that is... Is really only discerned through the spirit that, that, you know, the world sees that, hears that, be perfect as your father is perfect and and the natural thing is, well, you know, what do you mean I can't be perfect? I can never be perfect and then, you know, you're maybe dissuaded, you're pushed away from from the beauty of that but through the spirit and you understand that that's the beauty of the gospel, right? That yeah. we can't be perfect. Right. That there's freedom in that, and yeah. not freedom to sin, but it's freedom that that He won yeah. the the battle over sin. Um, his perfection now, we can live in that, right? We can yeah. live to to good deeds, to holiness, to godliness, um, because we're we're saved in Him. Yeah, right,
0: right, right. It's almost like with Christ saying this, of like, you know, let's say. You're in your house, and your house is just completely destroyed. Filthy, trash everywhere. Everything uh, is, uh, uh, you know, disorganized, and holes in the wall, and everything. And Christ is standing in the in the in your house, and saying, you know, this has to be cleaned up and fixed up. Perfectly, if you're going to live here. If not, you're you know you're going to go to jail forever. Mm. Like in order for this house to be inhabited, this has to be cleaned up, fixed up, to be spick and span, perfect. You know the most excellent and the you know the standard of all houses. Otherwise, you can't live here. And you would look at you and like, I can't do that. I right. can't clean this up. I can I could live my whole life and I couldn't and I couldn't you know rebuild and redecorate and reorganize this house. I, like it's just way beyond repair. And even in Jesus saying it, and he says, I know, and I'm going to do it for you. Mm. I'm going to clean it. I'm going to fix it. It's already done, and you can live here. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, wow. You know, so he points out the problem. He, he, he lays out the standard, but he himself is also the solution. And the same is true in, in our life. And uh, and praise uh, praise God, you know, in Christ for um, what He did on our behalf that we could live uh, in relationship with the Lord um, because of Christ's perfect righteousness.
1: Mm. Well, thanks for tuning in to Consider It, a ministry of Redemption Bible Church here in Brownsville, Texas, where we are taking on questions regarding life, theology, and the church. If you'd like to submit a question text the word redemption and your question to 474747 if you'd like to learn more about our church visit us at redemption.mible we thank you for your support and listening and we hope you'll join us next week as we consider it